0: Live around the world. This is paper cuts with Brad and Jay. I'm the one you love. I'm Jay. Thanks so much for stopping by. So there's Brad. It's his show. It's his show. That's why I'm the
1: host, and we just love Jay.
0: Now you know it's all natural. I mean, you know, nothing's rehearsed, right? <laughs> no, absolutely
1: nothing is rehearsed on this show. God, you just suck life out of me. Feels like you've got you've got years. a lot grayer since we started this. I have. I know. I have. It's a cover
0: reveal party with Chris McGinley. We are live. Hey, it's a random day of the week. So how about we throw hey, a show. paper cuts <laughs> episode right at you?
1: It's not a Friday. What are we doing? What Brad? is today? Is it Thursday or Wednesday? I don't even know. It's Thursday, right? It's
0: uh, Let's go with Thursday. The the holiday okay. messed me up this week because uh, yeah, having a day off of work right in the middle of the week.
1: Mm-hmm makes you think you have two mondays basically yes yes welcome
0: everyone to a special episode of paper cuts i'm jay that's brad over there it's always an honor when someone reaches out and says you know what hey i want you guys to (laughs) show the cover of my book or i want you guys to launch my book or i just want to be on your show
1: (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll take it anywhere
0: we can can. but um uh, i think we've become somewhat of the uh unofficial official shotgun honey uh uh cover i don't know what, i don't
1: know what ron feels about that but i, I don't know
0: <laughs> if he shows up we're him. maybe we could sign a contract or something but yeah. uh chris welcome to the program thank yeah. you so much for stopping by yeah. and we hear Thanks there's so a uh, book of yours that will be coming out what in the next few months right how many a handful of months but tonight we could see the cover yeah jay have you looked at the cover yet i have you have you peeked at it <laughs> i did I, I, I had a little peek for show you know <laughs> so chris uh, tell us a little bit what, what what do we got going on here
2: well uh i'll tell you about the cover first and i, I can tell you about the the novel uh without any spoilers of course the cover mm-hmm. is designed by uh ron earl phillips who um is also the editor of shotgun honey and he's a talented um, designer um, if you look at any of the covers from his collection this repertoire of covers they're all different. He, he can operate in different mediums, it seems. And um, he's, he's uh, distinguished. He's won, I believe he's won some awards for his covers, uh, but they're different. And I was, uh, I'll tell you a funny, real quick, funny story with this cover. You know, he asks everyone um, on the, the press what they would like for the cover. And I had this idea since my novel is, since I'm obsessed basically with Appalachian literature and, and since I've read a lot of older Appalachian literature right. I had uh-huh. the notion and since my novel is set in fact in the around the turn of the 20th century in the 1890s um, and into the early 1900s I, I had said oh you know I, I want something like this old novel like James Still's River of Earth or something retro like that and so that's what I assumed he was going to get but he just uh, better judgment on his part and, <laughs> and he just said no I went with something more modern and and more marketable now and i'm just was just so thrilled with it my wife was thrilled with it too and um the people in the shotgun honey group on twitter thought it was just fantastic like all of his covers yeah well
0: that's pretty okay. cool i mean you, you have something in your head that you gave to him that you're kind of set with it but he was like "No, you know what trust me this is not <laughs> yeah. my first rodeo show okay i can He's, do this <laughs> yeah
2: in, in diplomatic terms he said you know he was very he just said you know i mean he wanted something i just know what he was saying was that i know better and indeed he did he knew better and it's so cool i'm so stoked about it
0: yeah and you were accepting ex- of what he had to absolutely so. accept no no fighting no no back and forth no uh, hey wanna, i'm looking for a new label or nothing like that so when i
2: saw it i just said this is this eclipses my notion of what i thought was going to be cool and 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 I, it was just transcendently beautiful to me cool
1: when he when he gave you his version of the cover did you have any anything so oh, i would like to move this around or change this or did he just give you, and you're like, "Yeah, that's awesome."
2: I did. I said, "It's awesome." And he, in his own, because he's so particular about um, the design. Uh, this has happened with other covers before. He tweaks things and such. Just like any artist, you know, you read over your paragraph you've written, or you're working on a painting, you look at it. You have to put it away for a day or whatever. And mm-hmm. he looked at it. against it, he moved something and s- subtle changes. He he opened up one section of it, and it, of course,
0: it improved it. You know. And uh, I like question. One question before we get too far. Before.
1: Don't don't bring up anything negative, James. No, I know nothing, you're going to nothing negative at all. <laughs> okay,
0: are you going to get this tattooed somewhere on your body? Uh, that's a. I think
2: that um Megan Lucas. Yeah, has... she's in the chat. <laughs> that's why I thought I'd bring that up. Just to, you know. I don't think so. I'm. Uh, I don't think
1: so. <laughs> just get a big back tat. The whole cut. Like,
0: your chest, your back, someplace. Let's get the whole thing tattooed. That that's going to be the original piece of artwork. Yeah. Cool.
1: <laughs> I didn't want to say you are talking about Ron's covers and he doesn't really have a like specific style because everything he does looks vastly different. I think some cover artists you be like, Oh, that's this yep. certain artist you can tell, but his all look different and they're all great. They all look fantastic in their own way. I, I really like that. He has, for me, I'm not able to say, Oh, that's a Ron Earl Phillips cover because right. he is so vast with all his designs and stuff.
2: He he has incredible range. And like, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I kind of think of Ron like a, like a drummer in a band, you know, there are certain drummers that just can't keep quiet or they want to do fills it. He serves the he serves the work, which is a, a, a really cool thing. He serves the piece of art you know he says, mm-hmm. what does this art need? That's as you asked about it, Jay, when I looked at it I said this serves much better than my notion of this retro kind of thing and trying to place myself in amongst these other artists and try to make it look cool it's it served the narrative much better than minded my, my notion did.
0: Mm-hmm. so you're saying it serves it but does it give away too much or does it just give away just enough to make you you know what now i, I need to figure out what's going on with some of this and yeah. kind of interpret everything that's happening
2: it's a great teaser of a cover yeah. i think yeah
1: let's go ahead we'll, we'll pull the teaser up since you mentioned that we'll, we'll peek and oh I'll, I'll, let me move this back real quick he also did a. Cole black, right? He do the color system as well.
2: Yeah, a really interesting thing about coal black is when you have it up close. I mean, noticed you guys were talking about this with Megan's. Some things are difficult to see um, mm-hmm. visually. Coal black has um, a little textural uh, yes. element to it. So, come yeah, you through, can but... see this almost like chevrons of a snake on the black. Oh, core. okay.
0: I, I see it. Yeah, I see it now. But okay. simply,
2: coal itself, um, pieces of coal will have like, I don't know what they're called. Um, but they have like little chevrons that have like little, little lines that run through it. And so, uh, I think he, he intended that in two, two ways and, and it's it's a super cool cover.
1: Yeah. Cause from far away, it just looks black, but if you actually look up close, you can see all the texture and everything to it. It looks, yeah. real, it's a really good looking cover. Go ahead, Jay. You were going to say, something. I was going to say, I
0: love it when, uh, there's a picture within the words. I don't yeah. have a copy of that, but that's pretty cool. The way the, the pictures in with the words and all it's It's a
1: good it's a really good collection.
0: But I am now uh curious and intrigued with this little teaser here. So, so the, before, na- the name of the book is Once These Hills, correct? Yeah,
2: yeah. I can tell okay. you about that if you want without spoiling anything. Sure, yes. Okay. Yes. So the uh, the the title is a part of a line, this is not a spoiler, uh that one of the characters delivers uh talking about the past. So this character says, once these hills possessed X, Y, and Z, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it now. It's uh, once these hills had these things once. And so this novel is uh, in part about loss and the loss of certain things. And that uh, I thought that the title served, served that uh, mood of the narrative loss.
1: Everyone in the chat's talking about how great Cole Black is as, as oh. a collection
2: that's pretty cool to hear that's really nice
1: go ahead rub it in everybody I don't have it go ahead everybody. go ahead <laughs> CW Blywell Megan <laughs> Lucas Michael Cody all saying it's great
2: those people have some great books too
1: so tell people a little bit about what is about what is the novel about okay, these hills
2: uh, yeah sure uh, the novel is about uh, and I'm gonna try not to go on too long about it I, I won't I'll, <laughs> but the novel is about uh, a family who lives in uh, turn of the century, Eastern Kentucky, up on the mountain itself, uh, and the valley down below is expanding like so many towns and cities of that time did. Uh, But there were drovers and growers who lived up in the mountains on the hills. Uh, By the way, Appalachian literature is is rife with examples of these types of cultures. Hubert Skidmore writes about them along with a lot of other people. Anyways. like so many um, at the time, uh, the railroad and the timber industry who worked hand in hand were uh, very, uh, those extractive industries were devastating to some of those hill communities. Mm-hmm. Um, they were great for the valley communities and they generated an economy, but it made it difficult for people living up there. And so the novel is about a couple of, of uh, convicts who are working, uh, laying the line, the rail line, the railroad, who escape and, and uh, create some havoc uh, up on that, up on that mountainside, and it's about a girl who grows up in and amongst us and she is a talented uh, woodswoman, uh, a huntress, in fact, uh, mm-hmm. who learns from her father how to manage the hills. She's the only child in the family. There is no boy, and she uh, is essentially her child, her father's child, do do kind of conventionally, stereotypically masculine things with. And so, it's about her trauma, but it is also, as Mark Powell writes on the cover, it's a novel about revenge. Oh, nice. So always, I would call it
1: a historical thriller. Yeah. Historical
0: thriller. Okay. Yes. Yeah. always good when you get some re- revenge in there. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And if, and everyone from who's the, blurbed it, everyone who's blurbed that has used that word, which I, I was pleased with.
1: In the synopsis you sent me, hopefully this, I don't think it's going to be a spoiler. You sent me a no, non-spoiler you can read word. that. Yeah. You talked about at one point, um, the main character, Lydia, uncovered something in the, in the seat box. So a curse, maybe, you know, maybe it was yes. just all in their heads and stuff. Yeah. We'll talk about that more here in a minute, uh, but it's located at black boar mountain. Is that based on, uh, what is it? It is it's that all, the, uh, the pine mountain range in Eastern yeah, Kentucky.
2: Yeah. It's just generic. Um, all mm-hmm. of my Appalachian fiction is, um, I've made up names and just based on travels and research and, and uh, particularly research into older time periods. But yeah, I've just made up names, but the, uh, the, what I describe is like what I know the region to be like, but also what, I, what I've researched mm-hmm. the dynamics of some of these industries to have been like in Eastern Kentucky and West Virginia particularly, Central Appalachia, most of my research for this novel falls on uh, or is centered around that, those two issues, uh, those two places rather
0: what's what's the period what's what's the year for this yeah
2: it starts in 1899 and it goes into the early into the aughts the two earlier uh early 1900s this girl grows up over the course of the novel
0: so because of this are, are you uh like a somewhat of a history buff and you just wanted to hit this part or is this something new to you also
2: i had read um i've always been interested in um in fact like uh 19th century american when i was in graduate school that was my specialization was 19th century american literature so i've always been interested in that and i wanted to write something uh that had to do with sort of my interest in that uh literature but also regionally um yeah i'm very interested in in uh, actually uh capitalist uh dynamics and political formations in the regions and i don't know if you've read ron rash's serena there's a lot of intersection between this novel and that, although that takes place a little bit later than this one. Okay.
1: I was going to say, the cover, for some reason, made me think of Serena. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was a movie poster for it or something, but Serena at one point popped in my head. With yeah, a that's familiar an interesting area of character,
2: that. Serena. Yeah. Lydia Lydia King, I could, this is not a spoiler, is much more likable than Serena. <laughs> Serena is a fantastic character. I would have loved to have written that character. <laughs>
1: Do we want to go ahead and show everybody the cover, and then we can continue talking about it? I'd love it. Drum roll, please.
0: Drum roll, Jay. We don't don't have.
1: We don't have. We don't have. We we can't afford a drum roll, Jay. We'll count (laughs) down.
0: One hundred. Yeah. Okay, that's too too high, right? Too high. Too long. Three, two, one. Dun, Dun dun dun. Once these hills. Oh, you know what? I just now saw the face yeah <laughs> i I know I, I was looking look at it place. earlier but i was looking at it on my phone when i was doing okay. this for the show i just now oh, saw the face
1: yeah we'll put it full screen we we'll get full screen on there there we go well something I like-
2: occurred to me about this cover um that i didn't even realize it's almost like a uh i don't know how to describe it it's maybe a light motif or whatever that word is but um that the he's got like um tears, the paper's torn in right. between. And yeah. To me, it represents that how, if you've been in the mountains, um, they intersect one another, those ridges, and I think that that's like, plays on that that kind of graphic.
1: Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it yeah. does look like sort of the different mountain ranges layered yeah. up the cover. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I'm always a sucker when I see, like, a piece of art like this, and it's all basically the same color, just different shades of that color. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. This
2: is almost like a, a, some Earth Tone's and uh, almost like a butterscotch at the top. It's, it's just
1: yeah.
0: it's
2: incredibly, there's incredible subtle changes in it too throughout that give it such great contrast.
1: And that, for me, at least, it definitely feels like a historical piece you're getting into with the yeah. cover. You know, you got the cabin and the, the old farm equipment at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. And the, cool. I don't know if it's a graveyard or cemetery in the middle there.
2: Yeah, it is. Mark Powell, uh, he has a novel coming out on Shotgun Honey also, but he's uh, he's he has uh, some other novels on different presses, I think for our Strauss and Giroux, in fact, and uh, I reviewed his book Lioness for uh, for Reckon Review, but he has mm-hmm. a, a really lovely uh, remark, a blurb up there up top. I can't mm-hmm. read it. Maybe you can read it, Brad.
1: This is a brutally beautiful tale of violence and redemption, a page turner with genuine depth. So did you with this book, did you set out for it to be and it might not be the whole thing, but did you set out for it to be the sort of revenge piece or that just kind of come as you were compiling the story along the way?
2: I I did know I did know it was going to involve that sort of mystical element that you talked about before Mm -hmm. uh, something in the bog that's found a body, in fact, and um, I did know that it was going to be about revenge. What I really set out to do was to write oh, the first chapter of this book, by the way, uh, was um, uh, was a story in, in wreck and review. And it was also the chapter that I workshopped at the Appalachian writers workshop with under Silas House. Um, okay, so, uh, so it, it started there and then moved on. And um, Megan Lucas, in fact, uh, um, submitted this as a, a pushcart uh, which I was very grateful about, and and I did know that it was going to involve revenge. But most, the, a lot of things changed along the way. But the things I most knew, uh, the things I was most certain of, were the fact that it was going to involve a conflict between the the drovers and and uh, farmers and people in the hill and the those behind the the railroad and the timber industry, and that this mm-hmm. girl was going to be stuck in the middle, and that there was going to be an event and and that there was going to be revenge and that she was going to be a non-traditional with respect to the time period that she was going to be somebody who was um more like what you would think of at the time as a boy but i'm certain there were there were lots and lots of girls like this but it it does play into that does deal with that that does yeah that kind of stuff
0: i'm just curious for this cover the the girl on the cover does anyone know her
2: <laughs> I I mean, know i'm i just
0: wondering where ron got it from he's not right. in a chat so we we can't ask him but <laughs> does somebody like pose for that or did he I find don't know. <laughs> I really don't know
2: where he got that too it's it just it's it's just incredibly it's incredibly evocative and it's it's so cool how he captured the eyes uh it has like a Couple different senses to it. Difficult to put your finger on any kind of subtlety like that. To me, I'm really impressed with. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm me- gonna find out, Jay.
0: <laughs> Megan commented. I'm, I'm, that, I'm just guessing. Like, hey, someone's like in a bookstore and they see that, that's me on that cover. <laughs> I didn't know that I was used, being used for that cover. Yeah.
1: Megan saw talking about the eyes. She was drawn to the to her eyes. It's beautiful. So you said this was um the first chapter was a short story on Reckon Review. Is that correct? Is that what you said?
2: Yeah, it was a story in, in Reckon and uh, one that I had workshopped even earlier at the Appalachian Writers Workshop, uh, Silas House, and um, I just was thrilled to get it published and then to mm-hmm. get it nominated for a push card. And then, you know, I told myself, I, I, I have to move along with this thing. This I, I was just um, moved to continue to write that character.
1: OK, so. It- it originally it started as a short story, and then eventually expanded into it. It wasn't yeah. just like you clip the first chapter and send it down or anything. Right.
2: It's almost it's almost identical to the okay Pearson Reckon review. Yeah,
1: And Megan's then her cussing in the in the chat saying it's a really it's a really great fucking story. <laughs> it's seven twenty, Megan. What are you doing <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter yesterday? I think she's <laughs> Megan said she would. Trade all the Kentucky bourbon in the world to not miss the show tonight. So Megan, never drink crap. another drop just of FYI. bourbon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's
2: lovely. That's really, really neat. We know
0: Megan. That that's a that's a fib. That's a fib.
2: <laughs> all this stuff is supported. I was at the most recent Appalachian Studies Association conference with Megan, where I helped her work the rec and review booth. And so right. that's a little community
0: of of people. Yeah. Yeah, you guys made your like it was almost like a little mini tour. Yeah.
1: You can go to reckonreview.com and price search chris's name and find the story on that website and get a get a nice taste of what you're in for for the the full-length novel that's
2: a great idea I have a bunch of um book reviews on there too but again consistent with some of the, some of those book reviews are people who are on Shotgun honey
0: it's mm-hmm. always cool like like I've read short stories before in the past from various authors uh you know being on the longer side of the, of the short story uh guidelines and i've always a few of my, I, I thought, you know, this could be much longer. This could be turned into something much longer. And some, some of my reviews, I've actually said that too. Like hey, this story, I think I could see a novella out of this or a novel out of this. It's pretty cool to actually see someone who basically did that, with that first yeah. chapter being like, you know, the, a short story, and it's just kind of grew from that.
2: Two, two of the character, two of the stories in Cold Black, um, feature a character called Curly Knot, which is who is a Vietnam veteran. Who's living in Appalachia in the 1980s, and um, uh, the I have written a novel uh, that's out for for consideration now from about that character. So I've done just that, Jay, with another uh, story.
1: Cool. Yeah. Is he? I can't remember. Was he a police officer in the collection? When yeah. He came back from Nam. Okay. Yes. I, I remember the yeah. story.
2: So there's some flashbacks and stuff to yeah. the Mekong Delta, and so that's what this this novel that I, I hope to get it published somewhere um, features that character, yeah. I mean, it's
0: like, it's like the first one's just kind of scratching the surface, but now, you know, the ropes are off, now you can just let it ex- expand into like a whole another adventure or whatever. And I always enjoy that. It's pretty cool.
2: There's a female character, a uh, sheriff in Cold Black, and I have a, mm-hmm. a friend who teaches Appalachian literature at uh, Virginia Commonwealth, and she's uh, Virginia Tech, rather, and she's A couple of people said, please, please write this, write a novel about this character. (laughs) I may do that.
1: What was it about the characters from the short story for uh, the turn into Once These Hills? What was it about them that drew you back to wanting to continue on their story, expand their story?
2: I just love the idea of the the whole, again, like you had talked about before, Jay, I think it's just that time period. I'm just fascinated with 19th century and early 20th century American literature and American life. And mm-hmm. so I was just drawn to, and also about Kentucky and the the people in the hill like also um, I should just add to that a constant reading about those people um, from writers both from that time but mostly later, who wrote about that. I'm just, you know wanted to it's the kind of it's the variety of literature that I like the most, and I wanted to do something there with that. John Ely, um, all these different writers who wrote about that that time period, right. dozens of them.
1: I was going to ask, are you inspired by any of the Appalachian lit writers? Some some of the older ones that maybe people haven't heard of before.
2: Older and new. Uh, Denise Jardina is a fantastic novelist who writes about West Virginia, um, coal uh, uh, coal mining life, and unions and such. Uh, Grace mm-hmm. Lumpkin. Um, Oh, a woman writing right now um, over the plain house is Julia Frank's written about uh, this kind of stuff. Sheila K. Adams. I mean, the list goes on and on. Obviously, people, too, like Ron Rash and, and David Joy and some of these these right. more known people. But there are dozens upon dozens of people who write Lee Smith, um, who write Appalachian uh, novels set there, set in that region or who um, or who are maybe even from outside the region over the years and have written novels there. I'm reading, I'll just tell you real quickly, I'm reading a, a dissertation. Uh, <laughs> this guy, Charles, uh, or Kratos Williams. Uh, in fact, the Appalachian Studies Center in Appalachian State, at Appalachian State University where Mark Powell works and teaches is named mm-hmm. after him. But this, he's sort of understood to be the father of Appalachian literature, at least Appalachian scholarship. And so he's written this his dissertation was published in the 60s, and it's called The Mountaineer in Fiction and Fact, and he looks at, I mean, it it must be two or three hundred novels that he read to write this back then. And so I've been kind of tracking a lot of them down sort of in a random way and going because many of them are, are unpublished and going to the UK, the University of Kentucky Library, taking mm-hmm. them out and reading them and making right. some notes. And I tried to do it in a sort of systematic way, and then I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna—I'll never finish all these novels written here, so I'm just gonna find the ones I can find and read them. And and I'm just amazed at how many novelists are from the region or people who have written about the region.
0: It's incredible. On
2: on major presses too. That's what I mean. There weren't little tiny presses at the time. I mean, there were, but you know, these are major presses—Knopf and other things. You know, or Knopf, however you say that.
1: Uh huh. I feel like you post on Twitter every now and then you'll have a picture of like a really old looking book you found. You're like, oh, hasn't read this before? Like yep. no one has ever read it before. Yeah.
2: I I, I um, did a talk on uh, Hubert Skidmore at the two Appalachian Studies Association conferences ago, but I'm trying to, I just haven't done it formally, but I'm trying to uh, create a, uh, you know, to resuscitate some of these writers in some way. And I'd like mm-hmm. to do that with some of Skidmore's out of print novels. Those are some of the most beautiful novels I've ever read about West yeah, Virginia. You
0: can really open up somebody's whole uh next tbr of the reading world and just start naming some of these that are really interested in, in you know the appalachia writing and that the whole area and, and the, the history and the background of it so pretty interesting
2: yep pretty neat i know um it's cool it's, so there's a thrill to going over there and finding these novels too you know you just get you say oh there's no way that this thing's going to be around anywhere and sure enough you know you type it in and wow oh, wow it's available <laughs> Or just it's available you know yeah i think uh silas house is a writer who does some of that same stuff in his he has a trilogy um of books uh that feature uh, certain characters and time periods but um he seems very interested a parchment of leaves is an incredible novel that mm-hmm. um takes it takes place back i'm not sure exactly when if it's the 20s or the teens but uh it's an incredible incredible novel recently written i mean in the last 20 years and I'm going to have to go order. back
0: and rewatch the whole episode to start jotting down the <laughs> names and
1: stuff. And... <laughs> I have
2: a list, Jack, and I'll, I'll email it to you. I have a list. There you
1: there. go. An Make answer. my job easier for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really need to read Silas House. He was at, yeah, like, I knew I've who it was, okay. but he was at my local library doing an event for whatever his most recent book was. And yeah. I was there with my kids and he was out in the hallway, I guess, talking to the event the event coordinator whatever. I just walked right past him and didn't even realize who I was walking past. <laughs> I didn't realize till later that day. Was like, oh, that was Silas' house, because <laughs> I think he's from what? He's from Lexington or somewhere. somewhere he, close he lives by. in
2: Lexington. He's from Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, Eastern. Okay. But those those are some of the most most beautiful novels. Uh, there's a trilogy of, of it's a parchment of leaves, a cold tattoo, and clay quilt are mm-hmm. three three novels of a piece. That center around the same family and they're lovely. Yeah. Towering. What is his
1: newest one called? Is it Lark Ascension or Lark Ascending? Or I might be way Lark off. Lark know. Lark Ascending.
2: Okay. And I think, I think Megan's read it. I'm not totally sure, but I haven't yet, but I think, I think, I think Megan has, she might weigh in.
1: Yeah. I, she, I think she's talked to me about it before that I need to pick up some of his work. Cause he's what the Kentucky poet laureate or how are you pronouncing now? Right. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. That's cool.
0: So how did your um, connection with Shotgun Honey happen? Because you're was was Cold Black. That's Shotgun Honey too, right?
2: Yeah, this is a very, this is a really interesting thing. Um, You know, I'm 57. I didn't, and like for years, you know, I've gone through graduate school and and everything and studied English as an undergraduate and been teaching for a long time, teaching literature. And I've always thought that I'd like to write. And I was 50 years old and I, somebody told me, I uh, said, hey, you know, Published a piece of flash fiction. I didn't know what that was, Jay. I didn't know what the word meant, flash fiction. I didn't right. know. And then when I heard it, I said, "Well, that's the last thing I want to do is just." And then I began to read some of it. I said, "Wow, this is really cool." And mm-hmm. I said, I started to write one. I said, "This is making me a, a better writer." And I'm just starting to write. It's I have to I have to manage it in this number of words, seven hundred words. And I got one um, published on. I got a flash fiction story published at Shotgun and Honey, and it was like a snowball effect from there. Uh, All my other stories, I began to collate them and put them together and check over them again. And I sent a proposal, um, I submitted a a query and and a proposal and they accepted it. And so that's how it happened. And then I just was moving along after that.
1: Nice. How long did it take you for Cole Black? How long did it take you to put that collection together?
2: Well, I had uh, there was a couple of years of stories that were out there and I had done nothing beyond stories. And so. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, uh, Ron looked at it and pretty quickly said, "Yeah, I think I could, we could use this collection." And there are a couple uh, collections now of stories on shotgun honey, not just Megan's and one or two others, Um, (laughs) and so uh, that's becoming a little thing, I think, too. Uh, But it didn't take very long, Brad, a a year or two. Since then, I've, I've done a lot of, I've got a lot of manuscripts. I'm writing a horror novel right now.
0: Really oh, okay, yeah.
2: I thought Brad might be interested in that. Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, these <laughs>
0: genres kind of blend. At, yeah, there, there's a very gray line between these genres. That's why we are, that's why we always talk about Megan a lot of times because uh, her book was so accepted by the horror community and you know, real life that's horror to us, so yeah, yeah these, these genres kind of blend together at times. That's pretty cool.
2: I, I have um, there are a lot of supernatural elements in um, in Uh, once these hills also there's some eerie elements brad was talking about uh, a curse and there's some some folklorish stuff that uh in there for sure Mm -hmm. stuff that might people might say oh this is you know this is Ben's the genre a little
0: bit you know i do love some folklore that's that's yeah. pretty cool yeah uh-huh. i'm pretty excited for it. this Does the, the actual books not out till east november or
2: yeah it's uh august 25th
0: august okay i'm my yeah. off <laughs> <That's okay>. hey <laughs> right.
1: you got it later so, on in the year
0: i know so so, so many dates on my head i, I tell you what <laughs> august so august that's a lot closer than what i thought okay cool yeah, yeah. okay we gotta get ready there seems this.
1: to be a lot of authors recently that sort of go back and forth between the crime and the grit lit and horror like a uh, cw blackwell he sort of goes back and forth between both he does write a horror a novel.
2: novel one of black blackwell's books um not long ago he, he absolutely does i think um coy hall's books are going to be interesting in this respect yeah, coy the guy Hall. is himself a historian he's a professor mm-hmm. of history uh he has a book coming out on shotgun honey Uh, lots of other grit stuff coming out as you know mark powell has one Um, and then even just the region i'm just meant to I was some point i wanted to say shotgun honey is uh i think really serving the region too well first of all it's the the press itself is an appalachian press which i think is really cool uh Mm -hmm. the base of operations is charleston west virginia and then um these these novels that are coming out um powell's novel my novel um megan's collection uh, <laughs> us other people that, um brett lovell uh and th- you probably i think you had russell on your show
0: mm,
1: yes uh, yeah russell yeah. johnson was on uh yeah. beginning of june yeah
2: shotgun honey is becoming a grit lit um, forum
0: yeah uh,
1: Ron, ron's in the chat now he said that you like them. he he like he uh, he says that you like your hates. You, yeah, there's a few stories true. in Cold black with the, with the haints. Yeah.
0: Since <laughs> so, so Ron's in the chat, do you know the woman on the cover? Or is I <laughs> I'm so curious about this. Like yeah, Ron, they had a question earlier for that on picture? the picture <laughs> on
1: the cover. Is the woman is she just a stock image or is that a, a photograph you took of the woman?
0: Yeah. Well, it's, see, but... like, it's like probably like a long lost or not long lost, but just like a distant uh, relative or something. Hey, <laughs> let me use your picture for this. <laughs>
1: Uh, was- I, I might be wrong, but I feel like Ron said that it's hasn't been too long in the past where he's started to get into publishing the more rural noir grit lit type of stuff. It was more strictly just sort of the hard boiled crime stuff. I yeah. think CW Blackwell, Ashley Irwin, your stuff, Megan oh, yeah. stuff.
2: I've forgotten about Ashley Irwin. That's a really, really great novel. Yeah. Um, she was on your show, I think. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh, she was on the show. CW was on the show, Megan. We have uh Corey coming up this fall. So yeah, we're, I probably shouldn't give that away yet, but yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, this is becoming not only the unofficial, official Shotgun Honey Coverville yes, show, but it's also yeah. becoming the interview show for. Uh,
1: we interviewed Ron in our first. From we did, the yeah. Series. We had a, a written. Interview Ron's probably for getting Ron. sick and tired of us by now. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> it, it's like, damn it! Can somebody else besides Paper Cuts reach out to us, <laughs> please? Leave me alone, guys. Yeah. Now, but I like that they're sort of instead of more the you know like L.A. kind of crime, you know, shoot them up stuff. It's more into the the regional stuff that he's getting into which i really like a lot you know, yeah he's even like,
2: mentioned that on the uh on the um the website it says you mm-hmm. know this is a, a a press that that deals with this not exclusively but you know this is it this is an interest in for writers who are you know might want to read this stuff and, and write this stuff yeah mm-hmm.
0: i think i got i i i've been getting into a lot of the Appalachian writing and and you know yours and, and some of the shotgun honey stuff but i think it was uh probably reading donald ray pollock's uh, uh some of his stuff that really got me into that mood because it's a lot of a lot similar to that and, you know he writes about southern ohio and west virginia kentucky and all of that area too so like after reading that i really got interested in, in like yeah. the genre and getting into and well, shotgun honey having all of these it's, it's perfect for me so
2: and you guys mm-hmm. have had frank bill on your show
1: mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. yeah frank bill yeah There's his novel's great too here.
2: You know, um, I should say one other thing about Shotgun Honey. Um, it's also done something I think is really cool. Uh, there's an author named Charles Dodd-White who has written, wrote, wrote novels back years ago that went out of print. And they're fantastic novels. They're unbelievable. Uh, I wrote a review of one of them for, for Reckon. And um, Ron has picked up two of those novels. And they're yeah. oh, nice. incredible novels, yeah.
1: So I want to I go and... Try not to give too much away. We don't want to spoil the novel, but with the, the folklore stuff that's mixed in, is that some stuff that you just kind of made up on your own or did you do research? Is it really some, some folklore from, you know, that area, that time frame, that region or
2: some, some of them, it's mostly, it's mostly made up, but sort of based on Mm -hmm. some of the kinds of things that I've read about in, uh, in just in reading novels over over the years. Um, Ron mentioned haunts. Uh, a Haint, I don't know if all the listeners know, is sort of like a, a spirit or a presence, a ghost, it could be a, a person. Um, you know, a lot of writers, even contemporary writers, will feature haunts in their stories. I read years ago a Chris Offit story called Aunt Granny Lith that has a sort of a character like that, and that got me interested in that, so I researched quite a bit about mm-hmm. the uh, Appalachian folklore, uh, Ed Karshner, who you know, writes for Wreck Review, writes quite a bit mm-hmm. about Appalachian folklore. Um, so I read his stuff and other stuff, but I really just made, um, created these characters and wow. these these haints and um, a, a, the, b- the thing about, there's a character, this is not a spoiler, but there's a character and there's a, a presence in this two, a couple different presences in this novel that I have coming out that are that are sort of emerge out of some of that stuff but they uh some of that older stuff but I've tailored them to suit my needs and I've you know made them up
1: cool. yeah uh, it's funny that Ron said that earlier about the Hanks because I remember there's like at least two stories in Cold black that involve yeah. Hanks so that's why yeah. he said that and he did answer he said uh, the woman she's just a public domain photo <laughs> I
0: was just I was uh, just he, saying earlier he, like he, somebody sort of see it on a bookshelf like hey, man, man, that's yeah. me I didn't sell my rights though no. <laughs> So he, he got a
1: really good looking photo for that yeah so. and with and with the with the folklore did you do a lot of research for it like do you uh, like doing do you like doing the like the folklore like make believe sort of research or do you like well the history of like the railroad coming through and the and the timber oh, and all that, that stuff
2: both of those things, yeah, absolutely. I, I research stuff about like, for example, too, um, uh, like, um, just o- old uh, ways of life, for example, which sometimes mm-hmm. involve spirituality and belief systems and such. And you talk to people; it's it's uncanny how many people um, we're not some some beliefs that we might regard as, um, like, as you know, in Western medicine, for example, as crazy. People in different regions across the world still practice different things and so i'm I'm not i don't say things don't work or do work or even religious practices whatever but um most of the stuff i read is is about um older generations and what I, what I was trying to say was that sometimes you'll talk to people uh native appalachians and say oh my, my grandmother did that or she she believed that or she would talk about uh, this spirit in the woods or she you know yeah, and so a lot of that stuff I got from there. Uh, it's, it was a sort of roundabout way of saying that it was what I meant to say.
1: Yeah, I, I love those sort of those hand me down word of mouth stories. That cause, uh, Ashley Irwin talked a lot about that. That she yeah. sort of became a storyteller because her dad was a storyteller, right? Probably that, ran down through her saying. family.
0: We we yeah. had uh, uh, Tracy Cross on, and the, the stories that yeah. she came up with. Just some of the hand me downs, but because what
1: her grandmother, yeah,
0: yeah, because her books really folklore you know and it's it's really deep into that some of the stories just so she actually had to do the research and go to her family and ask is this real and they're like yeah it's real yeah. you know yeah so that's pretty cool oh,
2: okay so that's so interesting you say that jay that the the way that i explain like to me like the greatest uh feeling a reader can have with respect to this stuff is um if you i always talk about the story aunt granny Lith. i won't spoil the story but there is a, a woman in the story a granny woman which is a common Character in a lot of Appalachian literature, someone who delivers babies and someone mm-hmm. who can aid a pregnant woman and and just do some general um, doctoring uh, in the hills where access to doctors might not be you know really difficult. Um, and in this character in this story, Aunt Granny Lith, uh, you would might read it and on one day you would say this is absolutely preposterous. This is just a <laughs> preposterous story, and then you might wake up the next day and say you know. It's not that crazy. It's not that far-fetched. <laughs> and to go back and forth in my mind, which I still do with that story, um, I said that is testament to Offit's, um writing. Uh, to, it can make you say, like, oh, that's just absurd on the one hand, and then say, you know what? It's Maybe it's not that crazy. There's these type of people that, you know, and I thought that was really cool. He well, that's, has a- that's
0: so cool because I mean, it's like you're set in your ways, right? That's all you know. But then you start <laughs> arguing in your head. Well, maybe I don't know everything I thought I knew. Exactly that. It, it, I, th- I thought I knew, and then yeah, you start arguing. You just I can just imagine like two voices in your head going back and forth. You know, what oh. about this? What about this? <laughs> what about this?
2: My wife but, and I talked about that
0: story. For
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like we talked about our last episode. That like I don't believe in ghosts, but all these other people believe in ghosts and they've had experiences. So just because yeah. I don't or I haven't experienced anything yet doesn't mean it's not true. It just means I haven't had that experience as of yet. And once so, you do, and, you and start once I do, it, everything has changed. <laughs> we'll have
0: a very special paper cuts on this episode. Of a very special paper cuts episode.
1: Brad recites what made him change his mind. What episode. made him change his mind? <laughs> so, for you, with you adding some of these supernatural elements to some of your stories and with this novel, do you believe in the supernatural? Do you believe in ghosts and stuff? Or is that just again? It's exactly what for you? you said. I
2: haven't experienced anything like that mm-hmm. um, myself, but I don't doubt that people have. And, uh, and you know, the other thing I'm interested in is, is you take like a, um, a story like uh, a Tim O'Brien story where he talks about war stories. And he says, you know, there's a reality of war. And then there's a, a supra reality, uh, one that uh, overlay because of what you do to to make yourself cope in, in a situation mm-hmm. like that. And that becomes its own reality. So I sort of believe in that with respect to ghosts and stuff. I think that some people um, have had experiences, and, and it, it maybe um, phenomenologically something was there, wasn't there, but it is there now,
1: you yeah. know, yeah.
2: psychically, right? So, uh, and and in this um, manuscript that I have out for publication about the Curly knockout, I have quite a bit of that stuff in there.
1: Mm-hmm. And especially with this, uh, once these hills being set in 1899, 1898, yeah. a lot of that stuff that we might be able to explain now, they probably weren't able to do that back then if you know something supernatural was going on. Today we might be able to explain it, you know, through science or whatever, but they didn't have that those resources back then.
2: Pretty neat. Yeah, it's neat to think of it that way. I have the the characters in this novel, um, again through a lot of research on my own, like um they have uh it's so there's a little bit of a conflict obviously between the valley people and the hill people, but mm-hmm. it has to do with different types of knowledge. You were talking about, like, you know, people's and then there is a, 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 a I've been thinking about this more recently in my life too. just formal education is one thing. But I mean, there's all types of education. There are all types of yeah. knowledge. I wish I were possessed of a little bit less formal education, than some more <laughs> practical <laughs> education.
1: There's a difference between you know, the, the formal education and then having street smarts. Some people yeah. can be the smartest person in the world and they would not survive on the streets for anything and have no, have no common sense. And then some people have all the common sense of the world and couldn't do a simple math problem. You know, at the same time though, I, th-
0: I think it's perfectly okay and fine to start questioning your own education too, because that's mm-hmm. how sometimes like conversations get started, and and you just find certain things out and that you never really found out in school in getting that education. Questioning, you know, you know, if you went to college, whatever the situation it be, but yeah, questioning your own education sometimes can actually open up a whole new world for you. I think so.
1: Yeah. Not just education, but just sort of your perspective on things in general. Right. Maybe you've just been told something your whole life and it's wrong. And yeah. someone else has a, the correct perspective on certain things. Yeah.
0: Speaking of education, so you're a teacher. Yeah. Correct? what what What's the what, what's the ages? What are the grades that you're?
2: Uh, I teach at uh, Sarah School in downtown Lexington, Kentucky, and I teach uh, middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, mostly 6th graders, but 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Uh, I teach both English and social studies, and um, we, it's uh, classes of about 15, so a little smaller than public school size classrooms, and those two classes, yeah, I mean those two areas, and Sorry. I run the farm to the Sarah are you
0: school. going to assign your book for a book report to <laughs> no
2: i wouldn't <laughs> a, a, a lot of parents uh the community has been really helpful and supportive a lot of parents have read my have read cold black and are promised to read this book coming out and more than that the school itself has uh, one of the things i appreciate professionally is that the school has supported me uh in endeavors that don't directly relate to the stuff i'm teaching uh, when i if i'm doing a Presentation at a scholarly conference, uh, for example, I did one on Hubert Skidmore, as I said, and I've written on some other people and gone to different conferences to present. Uh, mm-hmm. And the school will support that, which I think is really nice. They'll pay for that, and because cool. they want to say, yeah. "Hey, look, our our faculty do these other things too." Of course, I present on you know sixth grade social studies also, but right. uh, yeah. and they, you know, but I, I'm really appreciative of my school for supporting that. And it's a nice community, and it comes back to what you're asking about the. The kids reading the book, not so much their adult books. Although there's not a lot of horrifying things in in, in these novels. Um,
0: I always but, ask that question because we, we've interviewed a lot of teachers, and I just want to. Oh really? See, yeah. I Yeah, I just always want to see if, if they've thrown their pieces of work <laughs> out into their classrooms, uh-huh. and, you know, yeah. or if they or if their kids have discovered it on their own, whatever the yeah. case. So
2: yeah, they usually get from their parents, and then some precocious kids have read Cold Black. That's cool. Yeah, yeah it is cool. Um, a woman at um, University of Virginia in Wise uh, taught the novel. In fact, too. So I was really oh, okay. Interested. Nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What did
0: the,
1: What did you
2: collection rather?
1: What did you think about that? Someone teaching your book in a in a I class? I thought it like was that.
2: super cool. I was just uh, thrilled to hear that. She and I was just she just sent me an email and said, "Hey, you know," so I if she's going to do it again, I'm going to go and and visit the class and talk, and I think that'd be really cool.
1: Yeah, that'd be pretty it's, cool. yeah, it's cool that your your school that you work for is supportive of your work because we've had people on before where their jobs are not supportive of their work I, at all.
2: It's a big I'm so glad you said that, Brad. It's absolutely true of so many people, um, so many writers. I know that they have they're involved in places that just either can't support them or don't care or whatever. Mm-hmm. I you know I don't know how to feel about that. I, I What I feel is about Sayers that they've done a great job to support me and it's super cool. Yeah, I've talked to public school teachers who sometimes I'm not knocking public schools. On the contrary, but I'm just surprised at sometimes um, that people are doing incredible stuff in the arts, and it's difficult to get um, finances to 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 do the kinds of things they want to do, grants right, or whatever. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. So this this will be your debut novel, is that right?
2: Yeah, it is. Yes.
1: So what's it like going from? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
2: Just i just I'm, I'm hope there's going to be more. I'm really excited about more the, novels. <laughs> the manuscript I wrote about Curly not the character, the Vietnam vet character from Cold Black. I hope that that turns into something because I started writing the the second in that series. So, I hope the first mm-hmm. one gets printed <laughs> the second one can come out.
1: So, what what's the progression been like for you starting out writing these little 700-word flash fictions to yeah. short stories to now full-length novels?
2: Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's been a really cool progression and I've just um, I managed as a teacher. I have the summers to do a lot of writing, but I do a lot of writing during the year and I do some of it at my desk right here where I'm sitting in, in, in school, uh, after mm-hmm. school. And uh, I try to write um, in the summers. I try to write a thousand words a day. I don't always get there, but I usually get over 700. And I, okay. I try to if I'm editing, I try to make sure I'm editing 10 pages a day. And it's been a cool progression. I'm surprised. At, at what I've been able to produce it surprised mm-hmm. me. I should have started earlier. I'm 57. I started at 50. I should have started at 30.
1: Hey, a lot of people just... start late. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah. so
2: it's... that's cool. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah.
1: yeah. the only, The only thing that matters is you did start though, so you do have books coming out. That's cool. all that right. matters. Right. So. With uh, people who are new to your work, would you recommend them looking up some stuff on Shotgun Honey to read or reckon review or start out with your collection or pick up your novel when it comes out? Where, where should someone start with your stuff?
2: Yeah, just pick up uh, Cold Black and, and there's going to be you're going to be able to pre-order um, Once These Hills, um, to, today even, uh, mm-hmm. from Shotgun Honey. They have a, a link already if you go to their site, shotgunhoney.com, and uh, in the coming days... Um, it'll be in other venues too, but yeah, if you can order from shotgun, honey, it'd be great. And that's it. Both books are available there. Uh, I'm going to have a book launch on September 19th, which is after the book comes out, but that's when school is back in session. And so it'll be on campus again, another thing coming back to what you asked about the support of your professional of life and your writing life. So Sarah hosts that party for me, that book launch, and that'll be a, a really cool thing. Oh, they're,
0: they're having a party for you. Yeah, they, nice. They that's awesome.
2: With Cold yeah. black, also, and the it's, it's catered by the school, and um there's booze and food. And yeah. I'll, do, I'll booze. I'll be there, man. I'll be there. Yeah. Well, I, I would love. <laughs> well, wait, to booze, school to get booze at school? No, booze at school. I would hope Jay could come, but I know how far away it is. But I, you're absolutely invited. I'd love to have you, but I hope Brad can make it because he's just down the road. Yeah, September nineteenth. Yeah,
0: that's I've pretty awesome The school is going to school is going to put
1: party on for uh, oh yeah,
2: there's that's... casey casey
1: okay. he's already pre-ordered your book oh that's right now. really
2: cool that means a lot to me that's neat
1: so when is what is your uh the release party you said september what
2: september 19th uh okay. and then i'll do some things like i don't know if you've seen like uh i i want to follow the lead of megan lucas that's the person you want to follow like
1: you go on a book tour
2: Yes. I, I want to, well, just everything, every piece of advice. Like for example, this, I said, how do I get on paper cuts? I want to get on paper. paper <laughs> wait,
0: wait, wait. Paper. Okay. You got to aim higher because paper cuts. Like, wait, <laughs> wait a second. Those guys owe me their life. So here, I can get you a paper cuts.
2: <laughs> so I followed her advice there. And then I followed her advice about other things that she's told me. And I'm just going to sort of latch on her as a guide for promoting this book. Uh, Cold Black came out during COVID and there was a, a, I couldn't do readings or anything like oh, that. oh yeah yeah that'd be tough yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, uh, things will be changed with this novel I'm gonna do a lot of promotion I'm going to aggressively promote it you know and try to get it out there as best I can.
0: That's I don't know close. if people to look forward to that. I mean, you know, obviously we'll, will help you out and Brad just put the link on there for people. I don't know if
1: people can click the link or not, but I added the link to go pre-order the book in the chat. They
0: can copy and paste. If they, oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah. Charlotte's so looking forward to reading this book. She loved Cole Black.
0: That's neat.
2: She's an editor at wreck review too. Nice.
1: It's a, it seems like a very, Tight knit family, sort of you know, Reckon Review and Shotgun Honey. These, all these different authors seem it very is. supportive of one another. You, you know, there's all these authors here in the chat supporting yep. you. There was a lot of authors when Megan was on and when C.W. Blackwell and all these other people were on. Several of be them are very supportive written, of each other. Have
2: written for Reckon Review, published stories yeah. there, and then I've published reviews there of some of these writers. Um, both their books on Shotgun Honey and s- some of their books that are not on Shotgun Honey. So, yeah, it's a cool community. It's really it's really cool it's incredibly supportive and
0: um i love being a part of it i think it's got a lot to do with that with the the genre and the style and all because i mean it's you know everyone's got a different kind of voice but you know what what kind of to expect going into it like the the broad part of the story just different Mm -hmm. takes on things with their own voice so it's pretty cool
2: yeah
1: so why was it important for you to set this novel in kentucky
2: Oh, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts. I grew up, uh, I don't, I don't even know what that word means. Like from anymore. Like I, in other words, I grew up <laughs> in Massachusetts and I, I went to college in Massachusetts and I, and I, but I've been, I came down here for grad school and I never left. So I've been here mm-hmm. longer than I've been anywhere else. And the people of Kentucky, uh, have, been great to me and great to uh, all of my friends. I mean, just this, this, this the whole Kentucky community, though not simply the literary community, but the the Lexington community and the, all of my friends who have live in different parts of the state. It's been a, a fantastic thing, and I wanted to I, I've got into reading about the state about state history and a lot of novels, historical novels about the state and um, you know, different things, genre fiction um, from the eighties, nineteen eighties, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Stuff about Daniel Boone, and I said, you know, I want to, and uh, Janice Holt Giles novels set in Kentucky in the late eighteenth and early nineteenth centuries. These novels just just thrilled me. You know,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: Giles is a the queen of Kentucky literature to me, and so I wanted to um, I wanted to sort of be a part of it. You know, I wanted to. I wanted to set my novel there, alongside of theirs. I'm not the equal of Janice Holt Giles for sure, but I wanted to be a part of it. You know, a part of that tradition.
1: Mm-hmm. And if not all of Coal Black, a lot of Coal Black is set in Kentucky as well, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. It is just made up counties and such. You know, yeah. Uh, made up regions and, and such. Um, and so is uh, this that manuscript that I was telling you about um mm-hmm. about Cur- curly out that's set set in eastern kentucky too in a county that i just made up called burley county i thought that sounded like <laughs> a Kentucky. doesn't that sound like a kentucky county it Burley does. county you know burley <laughs> so
1: Thanks. you're starting to build the you're starting to build the chris mcginley universe now yeah right. all these connected counties and everything uh-huh. like that yeah i love so, it what authors do that
0: so the where do we go from here you have this this book coming out in august you have your manuscript out there yeah uh, from the characters from cole black are you looking beyond that? Yeah. Other uh, uh, things in the works here?
2: What I'm hoping is that, um, with this publication of once these hills that I can uh, do like some of my other colleagues have done and hopefully get an agent. And, uh, I would love to get this, this horror novel that I've written. It also takes place in the turn of the century. Uh, it involves a, some nuns in a, in a monastery, uh, in, uh, in new England and, okay. uh, a demon that they that they uh, do battle with. And um, I would love to get that. I, I want to. I don't know enough about the horror industry publishers, but I'm learning. So that, that's what I'm on to, Jay, is, is researching the heck out of finding out independent horror publishers. And then also, boy, if I get an agent, who knows what can happen, you know?
0: Oh, we can send you a list.
1: Yeah. Send us a list nice.
0: of the authors as yeah. you had talked, spoke sure. about earlier. We'll send you a list. <laughs> yes, if sir, you want all the, the yeah,
1: indie horror publishers, we got your back, Yeah, yeah. We, we got you covered with that.
2: I would like that. Yeah, I'd love that. Because I just, you know, I figured, well, I'm just going to write it out. I'll ask the questions later. I just want to get the manuscript done. And I've, I'm just editing it. I've finished it at 70,000 words. And so I'm ready to do something with that, too. Oh, yeah. But I'm super hopeful about my, my uh, novel about the Curly Knot, that character. A lot of people have asked me about that character and said, Hey, can you can you i like this guy i like this guy this vietnam vet who comes to kentucky as a sheriff so i said i gotta write something about this
0: so story. i'm gonna have to go back and read that first the short the short the story that he's i had. think
1: there's two stories with him in there right
0: and yeah. back two, two, two stories with that read those story yeah. before that one yeah. comes out okay yeah. i can get that i'll, I'll, I'll let me put it on my calendar here just, get it right now jay buy it <laughs> i'll put it on my calendar and just get it take care of yeah chris this has been fun this is, we appreciate you coming by this oh has man been, i i, been I need great. to say something
2: um it's very important The stuff that you guys do for independent writers is massively important. It is of gigantic importance to us, and I'm hugely appreciative of it. I don't know if people tell you enough, but I'm gonna tell you publicly here, is it is huge, and it is so critical, the support that, and there's a whole bunch of people, but you guys are some of the most important to do this cover reveal and to support people and to take time to do this. It means everything to me, so I thank you deeply.
0: We're very we really uh, appreciate that, humble, man. but yeah, keep it coming. No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't, no, we, don't we, get we Jay a bigger it, head man. than Eric he has. Yeah, <laughs> We, so we much,
0: appreciate. Buddy. I mean, we're, we're glad people, you know, accept us for the, the style that we do and what we're doing, and, and people are supporting us. So, I mean, that, that's enough for us. That's you know, the award that we're looking for. So, yeah, because I mean, we love these these books that we're talking about and, and these pieces of art. I, I look at them as pieces of art you know, mm-hmm. and just be able to talk about him, get him out to people who may not have known about them. You know, if we, yes. if, we if we turn one person and onto like this book here, I'm happy, you know? So uh-huh. that's what, that's the way we're looking at it. Basically. Cool, Thank you. And we, and we met a lot of cool people too. So yeah,
1: that's the best parts. mean, mean all the people. Yeah. Cause all these indie books that we read, they're just as good, if not better than the big name stuff cool. that you'll go find at Barnes and Noble on the on the big shelves and stuff it's just no one knows about it that's the only thing they yeah. just don't have the the reach that the bigger publishers do but that the quality is just the same thanks guys
0: once these hills again august what's the date 25th august 25th here's the cover Pre uh man. we're going to spread that around now that it's a release we could you know do some promoting and then people know about it uh brad did put the uh link in the chat there uh, we could probably put it on part of this video at the bottom in the description at some point yeah we'll you. have we'll have in the description yeah we'll do that we'll do that so uh, chris can't thank you now for wanting to be on the show and trusting uh, this piece of work in our hands we appreciate that thanks guys um, thanks so much And there you have it guys that's, that's the cover of once these look at look at the colors like the way it's good looking yeah get i out. get a kick out i didn't
1: re- i didn't realize what chris said about like the paper tears it does feel like it's the different you know ridge lines and stuff fading into yeah. the distance yeah it's uh, good looking it's like a bob ross painting i don't know if ron intended it to be like that but ron <laughs> that's what it looks like the different ridge lines yeah. and yeah. Then you've got the mountains at the very top it looks great
0: there you have it uh everybody in the chat thanks so much for hanging out with us and joining us there it is, and pre-order it, and then we'll talk about it again later, right?
1: Yeah, Chris, we appreciate <laughs> you coming on. Man. I really appreciate your kind words. Thanks well, much. Uh, Thank you. Jay does it. Jay does it to get big-headed, but I do it for the love of the books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just messing with Jay. I'm just messing. I just had to get a I get a job in there at the end. I
0: I, I have to throw the joke part in. Now. I can't be look. I can't be too can't sa- be sappy. I, I got I got very <laughs> sappy on Twitter yesterday. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> So I I can't, I gotta, you know, keep it going. I can't be too sappy. I got a reputation. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe. Love you, Jay. I know you do.